This is the WFG National Title Insider Report, your weekly download on the market, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending to keep you informed and ahead of the market. In this week's download, we welcome back Justin Tucker, WFG's Executive Vice President and Director of Strategic Initiatives, to share his insight on reaching our audience in the age of social media overload. Hey, Justin, thanks for joining us. Uh, This day and age, we are bombarded with marketing, advertising constantly. How in that environment can clients and consumers be dealt with? Um, How do you, you know, do that with the growing skepticism everybody has to marketing and advertising? You know, Brian, I I think the question's a a really interesting one, because if you put yourself in the shoes of the recipient, what it's like to receive marketing, we're all very skeptical. Uh, People are trying to sell us. uh, they're, They're trying to persuade us into making a decision, all with the guise of, you know, trying to earn some of our time and attention and and some of our our dollars. And um, when I think about it, I think, you know, really smart companies have switched over to a very experiential marketing angle, which is doing things and creating things either worth other people talking about or worth other people sharing. And um, when we hear it from someone else, you know, it's old school word of mouth in in a, a new social media age. But when we hear it from someone else, there's a trust factor that that in, enters into that that we just don't believe when we get a piece of direct mail or an email marketing template or see an ad on a billboard or, or a commercial on TV. How does that apply to our business? I think in our business, we're, we're lucky that that's where things are shifting. Yeah. We're in a very relationship driven world where, you know, if I'm Lexus and it's Christmas and I have to put together a, a huge marketing budget. Um, to run commercials, to remind people, you know, maybe they want to buy their significant other a, a car for Christmas. By the way, I, I'd like to meet people who have the income to buy someone a car for Christmas. That's, that's awesome. But, um, <laughs> it, it, in our world, it, it's person to person. It's connection. And if you can do things that, that enhance that connection and, and enhance that experience, that'll, that'll go a lot further than, you know, dedicating all of your budget to, advertisement or social media ads. So in our, in our world, you know, forming those connections, truly caring about people and doing things in an authentic, caring way that, that reminds them that we're here. Um, we're lucky that that's where things are shifting because I think it plays in our industry better than, than most. You've worn many hats at WFG over the years, sales, marketing, back to sales. They are merging more than ever Thanks to social media. Now, talk about that and the impact that has on the real estate business and particularly settlement services. Yeah, it's interesting. My, my biggest pet peeve used to be when people would use the term sales and marketing interchangeably. It would really, really frustrate me because I would be like, no, those are different things. You know, marketing is about, you know, branding and messaging and, and getting time and attention and sales is about overcoming objections and, and, you know, getting someone to sign on the dotted line. And it was whenever people would muddle that, it would be something that was frustrating to me, but I have to be aware as things evolve and I'm starting to see an overlap in this much more frequently. If you're a, a title rep, if you're a real estate agent, part of what you do is sales. The part of the way that you sell now is, is social selling. It's people trust people more than brands. They connect to personalities more than they do, you know, logos. And, so being able to be authentic 
to be you and to put that out there on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever that, that ends up being. Um, that's where I see that overlap is we have to turn ourselves into professional marketers and salespeople online. And, and a lot of times that's just being human, being real and letting people see the parts of you that, that they can connect with. I mean, if you know me and you follow me online, you know that I have a new puppy and I post way more pictures of him than I probably should. And I love pizza and, and would eat it three times a day if I could. And you know, at, at 38 years old, um, I'll still have a Jaeger bomb from time to time, which I'm still trying to grow out of, but you know, those things about me and they, they form connection points. So in our world in, in the real estate space, if you're a salesperson and you haven't embraced putting yourself out online and communicating your identity and your personality, which I would consider marketing yourself, if you're not doing those things. It's going to be really difficult to sell. Why do we crave this? And, and, yeah, I think I know the answer to this, but I want to get the answer from you in terms of, you know, why we are migrating to this. I mean, everybody's, you know, we hear all the things about we're, oh, we're so connected, but we're disconnected, right? Is that it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I had a really great answer tied to data and psychology for you. But at the end of the day, I think that we're all looking for social validation and you, you put yourself out online because you want to be heard, you want to be liked. Now, we don't always share the most authentic, the word I keep going back to is authentic, the most authentic self. Sometimes we, we share all the highlights and never any of the, the struggles or the challenges, but there's this dynamic created by, by wanting to, to learn um, and to share and to connect. And we've just made it easier. Now, I don't know if we've made it deeper. Um, I don't know if those connections are as strong as they would be face to face, but we have made it easier when you're sitting in a, in a, um, dentist office waiting for your appointment in the lobby and you have extra seven minutes and you pull out your phone and you can catch up with what, you know, 15, 16, 17, 20, 30 people are doing. Um, and you know, we've all had that instance where we posted something online and we thought it was great. And you come back to it 30 minutes later and, and no one's liked it or commented it. You're like, Hey, what's going on? I thought that was really good. So <laughs> yeah. there's a psychology element to it as well. But I, I really just believe that, that, Things are moving fast. Information is moving fast. People are, are, are interesting um, and it allows us to consume fast and, and much more in a short period of time. There are so many ways to reach people. And, you know, in some respects, I feel like maybe people are starting to tune some of this out a little bit, right? Or they're not spending as much time with it. And again, I have no way to you know, back up that comment other than just kind of a feeling I have maybe based on myself, you know, it's a swipe, swipe, swipe. And then, okay, I'm off Instagram in, you know, 10 or 15 seconds versus 10 or 15 minutes a year ago. Right. Um, but talk about video advertising, um, and how that leverages into, you know, the messaging you're talking about. Yeah. Your, your point is really valid. I mean, it, there's so much noise, that it's becoming increasingly more difficult to be interesting. And we, we do, we scroll, scroll, stop, scroll, scroll, stop. What is it that gets people to stop? What is it that, that what's that formula that, that get people to want to stop? And I, I really think that it's this third party validation. So let's take a company like Budweiser, who I think is doing a tremendous job at this right now. They've actually started creating these short story videos. Um, they did one for, Dwayne Wade, which 
you know, I, I, I don't get teary eyed often, but I actually got teary eyed during, during this ad of his retirement. Um, they did one around father's day, which was uh, uh, dedicated to stepfathers and it was children actually having them formally adopt them as adults. They, they've created these really compelling stories. Now they do it in two ways. The first is they, they don't market it through their channel. They get, you know, Mashable or Buzzfeed or Business Insider, or they get another channel that someone would follow to write an article and, and they use great headlines. Like this Budweiser ad will absolutely get you teary eyed, you know, something that's going to pull you in. So you think, oh, well, what's so interesting about this ad that I should take a look at it? And then you watch it and it's actually a short story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it's not something they could ever air as a commercial because these stories are four to six minutes long. And what's really interesting is conventional wisdom always told us shorter videos are better. Let's keep it under a minute. Let's keep it under two minutes. Let's say what you need to say. But when you get into the short story realm, we're actually starting to have a longer attention span. And it's, it's ironic because it's still shorter compared to how we uh, would digest content in the past. So in the past, you would dedicate 30 minutes to a sitcom you'd watch Full House and you'd watch it from beginning to end. Well, now the YouTube community has created this, this dynamic where we will watch these six to 10 to 15 minute long stories. Mm -hmm. and, and as long as it's told in a compelling way, as long as it follows that beginning, middle, end, the conventional wisdom was always to create shorter videos, but these videos that are a little bit longer and, and more complete, they're still shorter than what we were used to watching on TV and now we can watch a whole bunch of short stories in the time we would have watched, say, for instance, you know, one sitcom. Um, and, and that's been true for us, too. I mean, I don't know if you uh, recall or heard much about um, our wire fraud situation that we had happen. And we did a, an educational video um, that was telling the story of the impact it had on this family when they fell victim to wire fraud. It was a six and a half minute video. And it has been viewed more times than any other video we've created of any length because it was told in a story format. So I just think we're getting to a place where if you can find compelling stories and tell them in an interesting way via video, that's a great way to get people to stop, um, engage, connect emotionally, and remember that content at a much higher level than you know your face on a, on a bus bench or another just listed or you know, a title company wishing people happy holidays with their logo on it, which the recipient of that, I don't think the recipient connects to that stuff at all. Well, you certainly have opportunities to do this in the real estate market. I mean, probably more so than any business out there. You're talking about someone's home, their life, where they live, where memories are made, right? I mean, there's a tremendous opportunity here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the two elements to that are reshaping your mind to where your marketing budget should go. Because if you took that out and put it towards, you know, getting a, a, a video put together, if you took it out of postcards and put it into a video, that, that'd be amazing. The second is uh, the mindfulness to find the interesting, compelling stories and being able to pull out the components that are interesting. If it comes across as an advertisement, if it comes across as marketing, people will tune it out. But if you can really tell a story of how someone's life was impacted for the better or a, a problem that was solved or, or something that happened to them that 
that going through this process and, and on the other end, you know, they're, they're in a much better place. Those are those type of human interest stories are what's are what's super interesting to people. And talk about that in terms of moments. I mean, you touched on this a little bit, you know, getting people talking about things, um, essentially the Budweiser thing, you know, they're paying to get into that channel and then the comment is sparked in either social media or however uh, that reaches a consumer. And then, you know, you engage them that way. But you are also talking about, I guess, more of an organic way of doing this too, right? In your, you know, person to person or business to business relationships too, right? Absolutely. I mean, so Budweiser has to have a budget to get it out through a third party channel to make it look like they're being, their content's being referred as amazing. But in our world, Every single person we talk to um, or help have their own audience and we don't have to pay them to share it. What we have to do is do something worth sharing. That's the trick. And so if you're with, you know, a buyer or a seller and, and let's say, let's say you have, you know, a, a, someone who you just recently helped buy a home and, you know, 30 days later, you send over like an Uber black to pick them up and take them out to a restaurant. And at the restaurant, you've already notified the ownership and, and they greet them when they come in and they sit down and have a nice meal in, in their new neighborhood. And at the end, a, a special dessert comes out and it says, congratulations on your new home, okay? That, that experience is one that they're not expecting. But the great part about people, um, good, good or bad, um, is when those things happen, it goes back to what we were talking about with social media and people wanting to engage and share. And I can guarantee you that, you know, more often than not, that person's going to take a picture of that dessert or of that restaurant or of their car picking up or something. And they're going to say, you know, my real estate agent is awesome. Thank you so much, you know, John Smith for this amazing dinner with my family. Now that's an experience that you created that they are talking about. And uh, for big companies, they have to pay for that. For us, we just have to create those experiences so that people will talk about them. Yeah, it's a good point. In the age of the iBuyer there, I know that freaks out a lot of real estate agents. And obviously, we're our audience here is the settlement agent, but the settlement agent helping the real estate agent to you know, within the rules, get business and spark ideas. And that's what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, you talk about iBuyers, well, you know, yeah, robots, <laughs> they can't do this stuff, can they? No, and, and iBuyers, they're always a funny topic to me because it's something like 02 or 0.02% of the market. And yet, you know, in every other industry, the consumer is given choices and they make those choices based upon what's important to them. So, you know, if I'm looking for an accountant, I might have, you know, a, a high-end accountant or someone who I was re- referred to or H&R Block or TurboTax. I might have any of those as my decisions. And there's trade-offs with those. There's cost, there's convenience, there's the effort that I have to put in. And then as a consumer, I make that choice. The iBuyer to me is just a choice for a very, very small subset of people who aren't as concerned with the the price they're going to get for their home and just want convenience and speed. And if you're, if you're running into a a lot of people who are willing to give up that kind of money for that convenience, um, then I'd, I'd like to talk with you and see where, where you're at and and, and how you're meeting those folks, because I just don't see it being a decision most people make because 
you know, even in the millennial, you know, demographic, it's, it's like people still want guidance. They still want someone that they can talk to. Most people aren't willing to give up tens of thousands of more dollars throughout a, 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 the position. And sure, is it convenient? Yeah. So the trade-off is convenience or, or, or cost. And that's, that's just, I, I don't know why it's such a threat right now because um, the traditional real estate agent still has a tremendous, tremendous value proposition. Justin, as we kick off 2020 here, what's top of mind for you? I know you are constantly feeding us great ideas and encouraging us. What are you focused on, though, as you start the new year? You know, tell you what, it's not going to be a, a super crazy topic like maybe in the past, but I'm I'm reinvigorated and absolutely obsessed right now with how to create and sustain culture. Um, I I think that it's something that's tangible. Um, it, it's hard to, it, it's hard to know how to create it, but you know it when it's there and you know it when it's not. And, um, I think people will, will be, will make a lot of decisions based upon the culture that can be created. And I think the reminders for me, especially for settlement service providers is, you know, where, where your people are your most important capital. I mean, your talent is, is incredibly important to you. It's realizing that first culture isn't something that you can cross off a list. Um, you're always in pursuit of it. You're always working on it. And then second, it's that um, how do you get people to not just be consumers of culture, but also contribute to it? Because one person can't create a culture. It, it takes everyone contributing to it on some level. And that's, that's just a super interesting topic to me right now, because as people have options of of where they want to go to work, um, there's an ability to create, you know, loyalty and, and raving fans and almost that college football mentality where you feel like you're part of something bigger and there's tradition and all of this stuff that you connect to. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm really obsessed with the idea of how culture is created and, and maintained right now. Yeah. It's especially key in our business, you know, title agents around the country, they've got people, you know, walking out the door every day, right? I mean, this is, I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, it's one thing to talk about it, but you really have to be intentional about it, think about it, and implement, right? I mean, or you're going to lose key people. Well, yeah, whether whether you're a brokerage trying to recruit and keep agents there, or you're a, a title company trying to, to recruit or keep your folks there, um, you know, with when when people feel like they're a part of something bigger, when there's grat- when there's a culture of gratitude, and when they feel like they have a voice, um, it's really hard to get people to want to leave because we work there, you know, so many hours are dedicated to what we do for a living that being happy at the place we do it is super important. When those things aren't in place, it just becomes a conversation of money. Who can offer me more money? Mm-hmm. Who has lower desk fees? And so the, the focus on, and I, and I don't mean this for, for any ulterior motive. I mean it authentically, which is, you know, create an environment that people want to be at and do it because it's the right thing to do. And then you'll, you'll have a bunch of people who love working there and a bunch of people who will want to come working there. If you do it because you're trying, you know, to, to form a connection point and the the people will see right through that and Mm -hmm. figure out who you are, who you want to be, and then drive a culture that attracts those type of people. And thanks to Justin Tucker, Director of Strategic Initiatives at WFG National Title. And thank you for partnering with WFG. To learn more about our unique process, systems, and technology, visit WFGAgent.com.